seems like just yesterday that Brother Will Allen was up here starting this thing off, and uh, we had awesome preaching every Tuesday night. And Brother Michael Plowman was uh, with us for a whole semester. He took off from Crown College and became an intern. He looks like a doctor, don't he? And he was an intern and, uh, and served here in the children's ministry, and we got to love him and know him. And now he's down at Liberty Baptist Church in Lyons, Georgia, the home of the real sweet onion. Amen. They say they invented it. Praise God. Grow, grow it. But I appreciate Brother Michael, and you're going to enjoy his preaching. So buckle up, get your Bible out, and uh, let's, let's worship the Lord while he preaches. Amen. Back him up in prayer and uh, nod and come back up. Amen. Praise amen. the Lord. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. All right, if you're glad to be here, say amen. amen. All right, Luke chapter number five. Luke chapter number five. I'm glad to be here. What a blessing it is to be back at uh, Whitfield Baptist Church. And I got to preach a few years ago at Awesome Preaching in August. And I had a great time. And I'm glad to be back. I get so fired up when I get here, I can drive all the way home and not fall asleep. Amen. Man, this is awesome. I'm so thankful. And I appreciate uh, Brother Cofield having me. And, uh, and what a great job. All the singing's been great. The choir did a great job, young people. That stirred me up. Can I take y'all back to my church? That'd be good. All right, Luke chapter number 5. And I want to begin reading in verse number 1. And uh, it's a story that you know. If you've been in church any time, I want to start reading it. And you're going to say, oh, I already know this story. But I'm praying that God will speak to our hearts through it. And uh, the old book is a living book, isn't it? It's alive. It'll speak to you. Luke chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's another name for the Sea of Galilee. The lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. And saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. By the way, time out. Aren't you glad for God's sovereignty, God's providence? I mean, you and I are here today because of the ship he got in. I mean, that's a man that changed the world. And uh, there's no accidents with God. You're here because God wanted you to be here. You're here because God planned for you to be here. I'm so thankful for that. You know, there's things in my life that uh, it, when I was going through them, I wanted to change them. But I look back now and I say, thank God. God had a plan. God had a purpose. I mean, he just, he said that ship. There were two of them there, but he got in Simon's. And Simon changed the world. Look at verse number three, uh, or verse number four. Uh, the Bible says, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that the they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of fish which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. 
And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. And I want to preach tonight on this subject. Uh, What is your it? What is your it? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you tonight. And uh, God, I pray that you would move into this place. And God, that you would do your work of illumination. And uh, Lord, the Word of God would come alive. And God, that, um, that some person here would make this a decision that would affect the rest of their life. Lord, that somebody here would, would, would hear a Bible truth that would change uh, their view of, of the world and their view of you. And God, that you would do a work that only you can do. Lord, we, we put the service in your hands and we ask that you move and work in a special way. And we ask it in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, I tell you, you know, there's certain uh, passages of Scripture, and I mean, they're just packed. I mean, you could you could preach a whole series. I mean, and this is one of those this is one of those passages. I'm not preaching, but I love verse three, where it says he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a what? Say it with me. A what? A what? A little from the land. And then look at verse number four. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon. Launch out into the what? Boy, isn't that how God works? I mean, he starts little. He starts little. One little decision. And, and what, what amazing thing God can do with one little decision. And before long, you're out in the deep with the Lord. Man, I, I can, can I talk? May I talk to the young people a little bit? Don't worry. We're going to preach to them some too. And y'all going to help me out, aren't you? Okay. I remember sitting where you guys sat. And I mean, I remember, you know, hearing preachers preach, and, and I can remember the first time I said amen in church. And I mean, I, think about it. I remember the first time I went to the altar. I remember the first uh, person I got to lead to the Lord. It was just a little thing uh, for other people. But man, it led to some big things. Uh, listen, don't despise the day of small things. I mean, if God's working in your life, that's a big thing. I'll never forget what one preacher told me. He said, son, you got to remember one thing. A great service not when the crowd is huge. A great service may not be when the choir is singing great or the specials are great. But a great service is when God speaks to your heart. I mean, when God speaks to your heart, that's a good service. I love that, don't you? I mean, launch out. Just go a little bit. And then before long, he's out to the deep. And then I love this. It's an amazing thing in this passage but uh, notice what the Bible says in verse number, verse number three. The Bible says that, again, he, he entered into the ship, Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the what? Taught the what? The people out of the ship. Now look at verse four. Now when he had left speaking, or we would say when he quit speaking or quit preaching, he, what's the next thing? Said unto who? Hey, look, watch this. Isn't it amazing to me? Jesus is preaching to all the people. And look, those multitudes were so great, the Bible says they were pressing upon him. I mean, there's people everywhere. And he preaches to all the people. But when the preaching's over, he says something to Simon. Hey, listen, in just a few minutes, 
we're going to say amen and we're going to leave here and I'm going to quit preaching and my big mouth's going to be shut up. But I'm praying the capital P preacher will speak to your heart when this little P preacher's done. Boy, that's how it works. In the still of the night, when you're all alone, when you're riding in your car, God brings up the word that was preached and God reminds you of some great truth. You see, we preach to the people, but God speaks to the person. Then I love this. Do, do you see, do you remember what the Lord said? I want you to see it because how many of you believe every word of the Bible is inspired? Amen. How many believe like me? Every jot and every tittle, whatever a tittle is, I believe it's inspired, amen? amen. I mean, everything's inspired. Well, look at what it says. I love this in verse number four. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your what? Yes. Let down your net. Y'all help me out. Let's say it. Let down your net. Let down your net. Now look at verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the what? No, no, not the net. I will let down the what? No, y'all quit putting that S on there. I will let down the net. So what did the Lord say let down? What did Peter say he'll let down? He said, I'll let down the net. By the way, the net broke. I wonder what would happen if he'd let down the net. You see, somebody's in here tonight and you're holding back something. Why don't you just give it all? I mean, why don't you just put every net you have in your boat out and say, God bless it. God use it. God, I'm not holding anything back. If you say let down the net... I'll let down the net. I'm not just going to let down the net. Hey, listen, don't make singular what God makes plural. I mean, just give it all to the Lord. Don't hold anything back from God. We don't have a Sunday God. We have a Monday God, a Tuesday God, a Wednesday God, a Thursday God, a Friday God, a Saturday God. We got a God for every day of the week. He's a big God. He owns it all. Everything belongs to him. And that's good. And I mean, it's, it's all through there. But you know the story, don't you? So Jesus is preaching. He's preaching to the multitudes. He's preaching to the people. He's on the side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee's over here. Jesus is standing there preaching to the people. Uh, the fishermen, the boats are here. The fishermen, they're over here mending their nets as, as Jesus is preaching. The Bible says the crowd begins to, to press. I mean, they were pushing him into the water. He sees the boat. He says to Simon, launch out, to go out a little bit and let me use your boat. And he, he goes out there and, and, and Simon's in the boat with him and he's preaching to the people. And then when he finishes, he says, all right, I'm going to pay for renting your boat. And by the way, young people, it pays to serve God. Man, I tell you what, I can't stand a preacher getting up here going, oh, I just tell you, it's so hard serving Jesus. I mean, it looks like they got baptized in vinegar. Listen. It's a wonderful thing to serve Jesus. I know a lot of people that have said they're older. Would to God I'd serve Jesus when I'm young? But I've never met one that says, boy, I just hate the fact that I love God so much when I was younger. So the Lord says, cast out your nets. And you know the story. But here's what I want you to see. Look at verse number 8. I mean, they caught so many fish. The Bible says their nets began to break. They filled their boat up. Their boat begins to sink. They call their partners. 
They filled their boat up. Their boat begins to sink. I mean, it was more, listen, they, they caught fish. The Lord paid them handfuls on purpose. And then look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Now look at me. Simon Peter was no sissy. I mean, he wasn't a pushover. I mean, he was a proud man. I mean, he was, a, he was the real deal. I mean, when the Roman soldiers came for Jesus, he's the one that took the sword out and whacked their ear off. And honey, he wasn't aiming for the ear. I mean, it takes something to, to put a man like that on his knees. Depart from me, O oh Lord, I'm a sinful man. He wasn't a snowflake. He wasn't handing out trophies for participation. He was the real deal. He wasn't leaving Afghanistan before the people got out. <laughs> He's a real deal. So, when Simon Peter saw it, what did he say? What was it? What put a man like that on his knees? What would make a man like that say, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's a proud Jew. What was it? What was his it? I got one. Peter's it was fish. It's real. <laughs> hey, listen to me. When Peter saw all those fish, he had never seen that many fish in his life. He, he spent his life trying to catch fish. And when he saw all those fish, he fell on his knees and said, depart from me. Your it is what you love most. Everybody has an it. I'm told that you can go today to the Sea of Galilee if you do a tour of Israel. And one of the things you'll do on the Sea of Galilee is you'll, you'll get to stop at a restaurant. And at that restaurant, they'll serve you fresh fish from the Sea of Galilee. And the fish is called Peter's fish. He's got a fish named after him. You see, Peter had devoted his life to catching fish. Fish were his it. Fish is what he loved most. And, and fish, listen, fish, if he could fill his net with anything, he would have chosen fish. What's your it? Hey, if you could fill a net with anything, what would you fill it with? Your it is what you'd fill your net with. Your it is what you fill your ship with. When Jesus said, hey, um, cast, 
cast, go out in, in, into the deep and cast your nets. Peter said to him, Lord, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. What would you stay up all night for? That's your it. Your it is what you'd stay up all night for. Your it is what you'd fill up your net with. Hey, I want you to take your Bibles and, and I, I want you to look in, in chapter number 4 and, and look at what it says because, you know, sometimes we read this story. Listen, and sometimes I like to preach with this because when you go somebody's way, they look at you. They don't want to shake your hands after church for some reason, but they do look at you while you're preaching. Sometimes we read this story and we think, hey, this was the first time that Jesus and Peter encountered. We think that well, maybe this was like, you know, the, their first encounter, but it wasn't. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 4. If you've got verse 38, say amen. amen. And he, Jesus, arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. See, Jesus had already been in his house. Somebody say amen. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. Now, you know Simon had to be somewhat of a good guy. He wanted his mother-in-law healed. Did you know you can arrange the, rearrange the letters in mother-in-law and it spells woman Hitler? <laughs> Don't try to do it while I'm preaching. Go home and do it. Don't show your wife you're doing it, though. So Peter's mother-in-law is, is sick. And Jesus is in Peter's house and they besought him, hey, would you, would you come take care of this? Will you, will you heal her? She had a fever. And the Bible says, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. I mean, Peter had witnessed a miracle. If you read the rest of this chapter, you'll find that it didn't stop there. And they got Jesus in a healing mood and the whole town brought the sick folk. And then they saw he could heal sick folk. And they started bringing people possessed with devils. He started casting out devils. And I can just see Peter going, man, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. So then we come to chapter 5 and notice, are y'all with me? Verse 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So Jesus has healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus has stood on the Peter's porch and healed the whole town and cast out devils. Now Jesus is standing on the, sea of, uh, the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he's preaching to the people. The crowds are so big they're pressing him. But look at verse number 2. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were listening to Jesus. If that's what your Bible says, you don't have a King James, you got a Queen James. Peter wasn't listening to Jesus. What was Peter doing? Do you know why Peter was washing his nets? Because Peter's it was fish. You see, your it is what? If you could fill your net up with anything, that's your it. Your it is what you'd stay up all night to get. Your it is what you would be willing to miss church to pursue after. Here's the Son of God. Here's God in the flesh. Behold the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. 
Colossians says, all the fullness of God dwelt in him. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Thou shalt call his name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Everything God had in him, Jesus had in him. He's walking on the earth. He's preaching the word of God. Peter's mending his net. Because Peter's it is fish. If I could say it like this, your it consumes you. What consumes you? Your it compels you. What drive, what drove Peter? What, what's, what's, why is Peter willing to stay awake all night, stay up all night because of his it? Your it controls you. Your it consumes you. Your, your, your it compels you. That's your it. And Peter's it was fish. And Peter said, I'd rather catch fish. I'd rather give my life to catching fish than give my life to listen to this man teach and preach because his it was fish. What's your it? Everybody has an it. Everybody has a reason to live. Everybody has something compelling them. Everybody has something driving them. What would you fill your net up with? What would you miss church for? What would you stay up all night for? Hey, take your Bibles. Oh, by the way, let me show you this. Notice what it says in verse number in the passage where the Bible says he's talking. Simon Peter is talking to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 5, Simon Peter answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Now look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord. Something changed. All right, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 5. Acts, real quick, Acts chapter number 5. Let me show you this. Okay, my, your, it is, your it is something you would miss church for. Your, your it is something you'd stay up all night for. Your, your it is something you would, you would fill your net up with. Look in Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife Sold a what? Acts 5.1, they sold a what? A possession. And kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to what? <laughs> it. You know what the word privy means, don't you? It's kin to the word private. Privy, private. It means she knew what was going on. You say, what's going on in this passage of Scripture? Well... The church at Jerusalem was a unique church. Forty-one times in the first four chapters of the book of Acts, you find the word all. They weren't halfway about anything. They were all in. 3,000 people get saved. 
I'll let you guess how many of them got baptized. You say, well, should we go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night? Yes. Should you go to church on Wednesday night? Yes. Where is it in the Bible? Acts says they went all the time, daily. There's nothing halfway about it. And, and there were people in that church because of persecution that were selling valuable things and they were coming and laying it at the apostles' feet. You can read about the last part of chapter 4, the chapter before this. And, and they were giving everything and laying it on the altar. One of them's name was Barnabas. And the Bible says that Ananias and Sapphira, God burned their heart to do the same thing. And they sold a possession that they had and they came and they laid it at the feet. And when they laid it at the apostles' feet, they said, we sold this and we give it all. And the sin of Ananias and Sapphira is pretending to give all when you don't give all. And, and don't you, you say, well, what was it that they sold? The Bible doesn't say. You see, the Bible is sometimes general. You know why the Bible's general and not specific sometimes? Because it's not primarily meant to be a history. It's meant to speak to your heart. What's your possession? What are you pretending about? How many times do we get up and sing, I surrender all? And we haven't surrendered all. Notice Acts 5. Look at it again. The Bible says in verse number, verse number 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the Lamb? Whilst it... Remain was it not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. All right, look at me. And it is something that you would lie to God about in church. Let's all stand and sing all to Jesus. I surrender all to Him. I freely give. Let's stand and sing nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dreams. You see, an it is something, it's a possession. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Yeah. I've often wondered, I've been pastoring the same place for 15 years. And you know, it's an amazing thing to me how sometimes people that, maybe they're young and they grow up in church and they leave church and they almost have a spite for God and godliness. Or maybe someone's on fire for several years and then, and then they, they almost get an attitude about God. And I often wondered about that and then I read that verse. He said he'll love the one and despise the other. You can't have two gods. And, and the thing about an it is before long, you don't have it. It has you. And, 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 and Ananias and Sapphira, they, they had two masters. They were pretenders. They said, we give all, and they, and they didn't give all. Oh. In 1985, Vance Havner, he wrote a book called Playing Marbles with Diamonds. And in that book, he told a story about a businessman that traveled to Africa. 
And he traveled way back into one of the poorest villages in Africa where there was abject poverty. And as he's walking through the village, he noticed a group of children on the ground playing marbles. The old game marbles. And he walked over to that group of children in rags with their bellies hunger, hungry and not filled with food and they were in the dirt and, and, and to his amazement, they were playing marbles with diamonds. Something that was worth thousands of dollars, they were rolling it in the dirt. And my goodness, don't you see what we do? Our life, your life, the most valuable thing, God's given it to you. Your future, your life. And you're rolling it around in the dirt. What's your it? What, 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 what are you willing to stay up all night for? What, if you could fill your net with anything, what would you fill it with? What would you be willing to miss church for? What would you lie, what would you lie about in church? Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Mark chapter number 10. I want you to see this. Mark chapter number 10. You know the story of the, the rich young ruler. Uh, it, it's, it's given in, in Matthew, it's given in Mark, and it's given in Luke. One of them tells us he's rich. One of them tells us he's young. And one of the gospel accounts tells us he's a ruler. So we call him the rich young ruler. And, and the amazing thing about the rich young ruler is he stood face to face with the Son of God and he walked away. I think it's interesting in this story in verse 13, the Bible says, and they brought young children to him that he should teach them. And the disciples rebuked those that brought him. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Isn't it an amazing thing? The little children, they had to keep them from Jesus. But the young man walked away on his own. Well, here's the story. So the Bible says in verse 17, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Don't you see that passion? Listen, I mean, this guy was not, uh, he was not, uh, did not have the appearance of a backslidden person. I mean, if I could say it in, in, in terms you'd understand, he was at church on Tuesday night. The Bible says, and ask him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up thy cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great, what? 
What is an it? An it is something that you would walk away from Jesus for. I, 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 I'm sure there's people in this room that know someone that's walked away from Jesus. And there's a young man. Because of his possessions, his it. They asked John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest men in all the world of all time, how much money do you want? And he said, one dollar more. One dollar more. You see, this young man, he was consumed with possessions. He was, he, his mind, that's all he could think of. That's what he stayed up at night thinking about. He wanted more. And so in the end, it's something that you are willing. He said, I can't pay that price. I can't give them up. So he turned and walked away from Jesus for his it. Matthew Henry said about treasures, our treasures become the first thought, the free thought, the fixed thought, the frequent thought, the familiar thought of our mind. Hey, I got a question for you. What's your first thought? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? What's your free thought? When you're not thinking about anything, what are you thinking about? That's your it. What's your fixed thought? What can you actually focus on? Man, I tell you what, uh, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I got a good dose of that ADHD or something. Something's wired wrong up here. I don't know what it is yet. And, it, and I, t I often joke that God had to call me to preach because there's no way I could sit still for an hour and listen to somebody else talk. I make coffee nervous. Look at me. Everybody can focus on something. You're it. You're it. Everybody has an it. It's your first thought. It's your free thought. It's your fixed thought. It's your frequent thought. What do you think about the most? It's your familiar thought. I mean, what does your mind just know all about? That's your it. A wise preacher named Alexander McLaren said, it is not just money or material goods, but whatever each man thinks is best, that which he most eagerly strives to attain, that which he most dreads to lose, that which if he has, he thinks he will be blessed, that which he has not, if he has not, he is discontented. I mean, what do, you lay, what do you lay at night thinking, oh, if I had this, I would be happy. What do you most dread to lose? What do you most seek to gain? That's your it. You see, in verse number 17, this man runs and kneels and, and says to Jesus, good master, good master. And Jesus says, there's only one good, that's God. Now that's the way the Jews thought, because Psalm says that God is good. There, and, and, and the Bible says all have sinned. In other words, man's not good, but God is. And so the next time, if you look at it, that he comes to Jesus, he just calls him master. You see, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's one thing to know about the Savior. It's another thing to have the Savior. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him. It's one thing to believe in Him, but it's another thing to believe on Him. John 3.18 says, Whosoever believeth on Him. 
If you're on a sinking ship and that ship is sinking and it's going down in the icy water and you see a lifeboat, you can say, I believe in that lifeboat. I believe that lifeboat could hold me. I've seen that lifeboat hold other people. I believe that lifeboat will get me safe to the shore. It won't do you a bit of good until you crawl on the lifeboat. This young man had never crawled on the lifeboat. He knew all about God, but he didn't know God. He says, sell everything. And you know, how many of you know our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? You see, God didn't ask for what He had because He wanted what He had. He asked for what He had because He wanted that young man to see what had Him. Hey, can you help me out? Come up here. Do you mind helping me out for a second? All right. Illustration. Crude illustration, but let's use these chairs here. This is going to represent the cross. And how many of you know we're to take up our cross daily and follow Him? How many of you know that? We're to take up our cross. I want you to take up the cross. Take it up. I mean, take it up. Take it up. Like, take it up. Yeah. Take up your cross and follow Him. And that's what the Lord's telling this young ruler to do. Take up your cross. Follow me. All right. Let's put the cross down for a second. Now watch this. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. Hold that. Put it under your chin. You got it? You good? All right. Take up your cross. Take up your cross, right? I mean, look at me. Application. Application. Y'all ready? Man, this, this man's telling the truth up here. We ought to be taking up our cross. I want to take up my cross. I mean, anybody worth anything, Jesus did it for me. I ought to do it for Him. I mean, the Lord's coming back. If you've you got to be blind as a bat to not know the Lord's not coming back again. I mean, it's, there's darkness everywhere. If you're going to serve God, I better serve Him now. Man, I want to take up my cross. Good, not alive. What about my children? What about my grandchildren? What about my future? I don't want to waste my life. I want to take up my cross. But the problem is you can't take up your cross till you put down your it. And that's the rich young ruler. He comes to the Lord running, kneeling, good master. He's got everything. He's got the desire. He's got the passion. He wants to do it. But Jesus knows he can never pick up that cross until he puts down his head. Think about it is, is you don't have it, it has you. Why don't you put down those it's? Put them down. Now pick up the cross. And you know what? You listen to me. Thank you. Thank you very much. What some of you need to do is put some it's down. Hey, turn, turn. To, you're in the book of Matthew, Mark. So here's an it. 
And it is something you would miss church for. It's something you'd stay up all night for. It's something that if you could fill up your net with anything, you would. It's something you would lie to God about in church. It's something that you would turn and walk away from Jesus for. In this passage in Mark, it's, it's a stumbling block. It's what, it's what tripped this guy up. You know what that word stumbling block is? It's a place, you ever seen a mouse trap? There's certain components to a, any good trap, but one of the most important parts of the trap is the place where you put the bait. And that word stumbling block means the place where you put the bait. Your it is, is the place, where does Satan put the bait? When you trip up, where does he trip you up? That's your it. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down on the right hand of the Father. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark, and, and, and turn with me to chapter number 14. The Bible says in verse 3, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured, what's the next word? Poured it on his head. You see, is there a box that you need to break today? And I want to tell you something. If you break that box, the Bible says in verse 4, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? There'll be people that say, hey, you're wasting your life. The Bible says in verse number 5, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. You know who said that? Judas. Look at me. There's some people that know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. By the way, I mean, what's, what's, a, what's a disciple of God knowing how much perfume is? I always worried about Judas. Now I'm confirmed. See, he knows the cost of everything but the value of nothing. I think one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to realize we were very good at knowing the cost of things but we were very poor judges of the value of things. What box do you need to break? What's your it? Jim Elliott in 1952 went to the Aka Indians there in Ecuador and he was slain on the banks of a river in Ecuador and found in his diary with these words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Break the box! Pour it on Jesus. D.L. Moody traveled to London, England. While he was in London, England, he heard an unknown preacher stand up and preach. And in that sermon, that preacher said, the world is yet to see what God can do with one man totally consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody said, I got back on that ship heading back to Chicago, back to my church in Chicago. He said it, it was this, that if those words were written on the boards of the ship, it was if those waves clapped against the boat and they said those words, it burned in my heart. And when I set foot back in America, I said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. I'll break every box I have. Pour it on Jesus. Amen. 
Take your Bibles. I'm done, but turn to John. Now, don't leave me here. This is where your bubble gum gets to buzz. Your it is something you'd miss church for. Your it is something you'd fill your net up with. Your it is what you'd stay up all night to get. Your it is what you'd lie to God in church about. Your it is what would cause you to turn and walk away from Jesus. Your it is where Satan places the bait. And then look in John chapter 21. After these things, verse number 1, John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee, same place. And on this wise showed he himself they were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And by the way, he wasn't talking about fishing for men there. You see, in John 21, Peter's backslidden. He's denied the Lord three times. So you know what Peter does? He goes back to fishing. So you know what your it is? Your it is the thing that you go to when you're backslidden. That's your it. What do you go to when you're not right with God? That's your it. Now I love this about this story. It doesn't end there. The Bible says, verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, Say it with me, ready, let's read it. It is the Lord. You know who your it ought to be? And you know what happened in this chapter? Peter's it got settled. It wasn't fish anymore. It was the Lord. You know who Peter stayed up all night for? The Lord. You know who Peter wanted to fill his net up with? The Lord. I mean, you know who? You know what consumed Peter? The Lord. What controlled Peter? The Lord. What compelled Peter? It was the Lord. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. And Peter changed his it. Verse number 9 says, as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Interesting word, laid. I just said they saw some fish cooking. By the way, Peter takes all those fish and they lay them on the fire. And that word laid is the word used for a sacrifice. What do you need to lay on the altar? Oh, you know, did y'all smell that fish I had? You know what happens to fish when you put it on the altar? It smells good. Something that's nasty because something that's nice. Lay it on the altar. And it is a stinking thing until you put it on the altar. Um, to, I, I don't know if my mom, see, my mom had the responsibility of raising me on her own for the first six or seven years of my life. And my, it was just me and my mom for a long time. And so my mom's special to me. And I remember one day I got a call from my mom and she's crying. I said, Mama, what's the matter? 
And the only thing, I just, there was a long silence on the phone, and my heart's, mine's racing, my heart's, you know, troubled, because you don't ever want to hear your mama crying. And my mom said, there's been a fire. And our house is burning. Now everybody was safe, and, and, and nobody died, but, but she was really troubled. So I said, Mom, I'll be there. And I got in my car, and I drove the three hours to get there. And I went to the place, to the house. And when I got there, it was burned. I called my mom. I said, I'm here. I'll never forget the image of my mom pulling up in the car. And my mom is, she's a proper lady, but her hair was not done. All her makeup got burned up, so there wasn't any makeup on her. She's wearing clothes that aren't hers. They don't fit. They're clothes that somebody let her borrow. Her, she's been crying. Her eyes are red. She opens the door of the car. She runs to me crying, and here's what she said. Michael, it's all burned up. It's all burned up! And you know, one day, it's all going to be burned up. Every it, that, yeah, Look, I don't know what else I could have said to, to help you understand what an it is. The only thing now is between you and it is surrender. But I can promise you this, if you're going to hold back, if you're going to walk out here holding back, just know one thing. This preacher stood here and told you that that's going to be burned up one day. Harry Houdini, I'm done. Harry Houdini was a famous... Look, I'm telling you young people, listen. This guy was like tops. One of the most famous people in his day. And Harry Houdini, listen, if, if it was today, he'd have had a million followers on Twitter or whatever. I don't know. I mean, he'd have been thing, you know. He'd been in every commercial. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. But he was a magician. Y'all with me? Okay. And he was an amazing thing. Guys, he, he had such strong abs, anywhere he went, he would let any grown man come and punch him in the stomach. That's actually how he died. Finally, one guy hit him just right, and a few days later, he died. But can you imagine walking in any town saying, I'll let any one of you punks come punch me in the stomach. And, but, but his specialty was getting out of locks. He would let people chain him and drop him in water, and he, he could pick any lock. It was just amazing. But he had a standing wager any town that he went into, I think it was $10,000, which is a ton of money back then. He said, I will pick, you put me in your jail, lock the door, I'll be out of there in 10 minutes, $10,000 says I won't. And so he went around and when he'd go into a town, that was his big thing. And so he had done that his whole career. He's in London, he's in England. And there's a little town, Lancaster, Lancashire, Lancashire, England. Not a big town. And so he's going there to do a show, and they say, Mr. Houdini, we want to take you up on your bet. We bet you can't get out of our jail. Well, Harry Houdini, by this time, he's famous. He doesn't need the publicity. He says, look, I'm just going to tell you, I know your jail. It's not a big jail. I actually know your lock. I know the manufacturer. I've actually picked that lock before. I don't want to take your money. But there's stubborn people over there in England. They said, oh no, we want you to give it a shot. So he says, fine. If you want me to take your $10,000, let's do it. They called the newspaper. They called everybody. And Harry Denny, he's like, okay, here we go. He goes in there. They shut the door. 
Start the clock. Ten minutes. Harry Houdini starts working on that lock. It doesn't go like he plans. He can't get it. He's starting to perspire, which means sweat, okay? He's working. He's frantic now. Seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, ten minutes. He still hadn't picked the lock. Finally, he throws his hands up and says, I give up. They walk over to the jail cell. They grab it and pull it open. So you can't pick an unlocked lock. Look at me. Sometimes the answer to life's most complex questions are really very simple. It's really about this, guys. Who you love most? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You see how simple it is? What have you? What's your it? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Let's stand our feet. Um, You remember the young man that helped me out? Pick up your cross. I can't pick it up. See, that rich young ruler thought he had possessions, but possessions had him. Ananias and Sapphira thought they had a part, but truly... The part had them. Peter thought it was about fish. But you know why Peter fell on his knees? Because he learned that the thing that controlled him was controlled by someone else. Anybody that can make fish get into a boat to make the boat sink, that's my Lord. And when are you going to realize that there is someone who controls the thing that controls you? Let's come to the altar. I mean, let's put an it down. Let's, let's, let's pray about it. Let's seal this thing in our heart as she begins to play. Would you just come and find a place to pray? Say, God, this is my it. This is what I'll, if I could fill my net up. It, 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 this is what consumes me. This is what controls me. This is what compels me. This is my it. Let's just come and find a place to just kneel down and say, Oh, God, you control the thing that controls me. I wonder if there's someone here that he may be master, but he's not Lord. See, a master is someone you obey. A Lord is someone you love. Some of you might believe in him, but you've never believed on him. I wonder if there's someone here that said, Brother Plowman, that's me. I know all about Jesus, and I believe he can save. I've never crawled on the lifeboat. I'm not saved. I need to trust Christ tonight. Tonight, would you hold your hand up right where you are? Say, pray for me. I need to get it settled tonight. I need to get saved tonight. Tonight is the night. Hold your hand up right where you are. Don't leave out here lost. Saved. Trust the Lord. Brother Cofield. 